Ten Commandments. You, you are horrible people. And instead we're here. You've been seeking me. You've been humbling yourselves. You've been fasting. This is what God blasts Israel about. Their rebellion. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. uh, As if they were a nation that does what is right. And had not forsaken the commandments of God. They ask God for just decisions. God we want you to decide our fate. They seem eager for God to come near. And yet, and yet this church is as hollow as a stick of bamboo. And a few. Looks good on the outside. And that looks wonderful on the outside. But it's a sham. It's play acting. These people showed evidence on the outside of wanting to do God's will, of wanting to serve God, wanting to be near God. They were even prepared to, to, you know, fast. And those of you that have fasted this week know that it's not easy to do that, but but they were, oh, we've got to fast because we want, we, we, we we need to do what God wants us to do. We need to be seen to be doing what God wants us to do. We've got to do it. And yet Isaiah, speaking God's words, turns to them and says, you know what? Idiots. He doesn't say idiots, but you fools. You think God doesn't know? You think God doesn't realize that your rituals are empty, hollow, play-acting shams? That you fast yourself silly as an excuse to keep on with the rest of your sinful life. God must be so happy because, oh, I fasted every Tuesday, every Thursday, I fasted. And God will be satisfied with that. So so during the rest of the week, I can do whatever I want. I can fight, I can beat up my wife, I can beat up my husband, if, if you're stronger than him. I can do whatever I want. That's the sort of situation we have here in the congregation of God's people, the nation of Israel under Ahaz and Hezekiah's time. And I've titled this sermon on the bulletin you'll see, fee fi fo fast Because this is faux-fasting. In fact, most of this chapter is about fasting. So let's see, what, what is it? What makes it so false? God turns around in verse 1 and says, I've got a charge to lay against you. But I find it fascinating that in verse 3, it's not God's charge that comes, but it is the nation of Israel, the congregation of God's people, who turn to God and say, Why haven't you answered? Why haven't you responded? Didn't you see we fasted? Didn't we see, didn't we go hungry? Didn't we go without? God, it's your turn. You should have picked up the slack by now. We've asked you for this. We've asked you for this. And why haven't you done it yet? You're quite right. The brackets there should be, they asked proudly. Because they turned to God in 
blame and say, you haven't heard. And you know, they're right. God, God, in a sense, hadn't heard them. Why? Well, verses 3 to 5 tell us. First off, they haven't heard. What do they do? On the day of their fast, when they say we are, we are spending time before God, we are, we, we are there because we want to do what God says, we are there because we want to be penitent before God. Remember the one fast uh, that, that God set in place was the fast on the Day of Atonement, when the people were supposed to think about their sins and about the fact that God was forgiving them by His grace. God says, you know, on the day that you fast, on the day when you focus on me and the fact that I forgive you, what do you do? You go out and you have your pleasure. You do something that makes you forget about the fact that you're so sorry. You cheat, you're fast. You know, the first time I, I fasted wasn't from food, it was from television. Um, and it wasn't really a fast, <laughs> which I, I realized about halfway through and stopped. Because I thought, you know what, I'm going to stop watching TV for a whole month. But you know, there's this wonderful thing called iView. If you go on your computer, you can watch all of the TV shows on the computer. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say that, but, but that's exactly what God is talking about. You say, I will commit myself to you, God, and then you find a way around it, a loophole. And contradict themselves. They say, we are here to humble ourselves before the Lord, to admit that we are in need of Him. Oi, workers, why aren't you working harder? Work harder, work harder. It's a day of fast. I can't do anything. Work harder. Exploiting their workers, says God. Uh, and, and we all know that if we fast, you get hungry. You get hungry, it's quite easy to get irritable. You get irritable, it's quite easy to lash out at someone. These people aren't even thinking about in prayer counteracting that. Their fasting, says verse 4 over here, leads to quarreling and strife and barefist fighting. Oh Lord, we are humbling ourselves before you, worthy of you. Step outside the temple or the synagogue Bash your brother. That's okay. God won't notice. I'm fasting. He sees that. These people have been focusing, says Isaiah, on what the world sees. They've been focusing on doing ignoring you. Have a look at verse 5. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on a sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? 
I love that image of the reed and the head bowing like a reed. In the wind, when we stand in God's presence, step outside, wind's gone, right. Get on with it. But the last two weeks I've been saying to us, you know, fasting is a good and noble thing for us to do. Right and proper, and it's what the Bible teaches. And if we read Isaiah 58, I think we've got to say God is not saying that what they are doing is wrong. You know, the form is there and the form is right, but, but the heart is far away. It's so easy for the heart to disappear from any ritual. It's so easy to get into the mold of, of doing religion. As if by doing enough we can please God. As if it's a switch we can turn on. Right, I've done my Christianity for this week. God will be happy with that. Let's carry on with life. Rituals emptied of our heart change are meaningless. At the very best, they're a way that God can, can, can spike somebody's consciousness. But, but by and large, they are meaningless. You know, I'm, I'm probably at odds with some of you, but, but when they say the Lord's Prayer in Parliament, I stick that in Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 3. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The leader of the opposition is a... Blah, blah, blah. The government minister is a... Blah, 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 blah. Yes, Lord, thy kingdom come. Please stand by while we shout at each other and call each other names. Yeah, God's pleased with that. It's a ritual which has become empty of meaning. God can still spike his way through to somebody's consciousness through it, but, but it needs to be sorted. Why are you at church this morning? come to church because it's what God expects, isn't it? Yes. It is. God expects us to pray. God expects us to fast. We've seen that. God expects us to gather as believers. Yes. Why are we here at church this morning? Is it just a ritual? Or is it something in our heart that says, oh Lord, I want to be in your house. I want to be in your house. My, my heart faints for longing to be in your house. Better is one day in your house, O oh Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, I want to be in your presence. Or is it, got to go to church, got to, you know, tick God, there, done. God isn't against ritual. He's not against fasting in particular in this chapter, but but it needs to be linked to a reality inside of us. You know, it seems to be the trend these days that our, our faith and our religion is something personal. What I do on my Sunday is up to me, and what I do on my Monday is up to me, and you stay out of my business. 
Isaiah 58, God comes along and says, excuse me, I will not stay out of your business. If you're going to say you are devoted to me, then let's see it in action. Let's see it in your heart. Let's see it in truth. If you want to fast, let's see true fasting. What is it to truly fast before the Lord? Well, it means not eating, doesn't it? Or actually not watching something. Or, or giving up something. That's fasting, isn't it? True fasting, says God in chapter 58, verse 6, is, is to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, break every yoke, share your food with the hungry, provide shelter uh, to the poor wanderer, to, to clothe the naked, to, to not turn away from humanity. What? I think Isaiah skipped a few things when he was writing this down. Fasting? Is this fasting to clothe the people without clothing? How is that fasting? How is it fasting to see someone homeless and say, let me provide for you? Let's turn quickly to, to Luke chapter 4. One of my favorite passages uh, in the Gospel of Luke. It's that time when Jesus comes to Nazareth and it's his first recorded sermon that we've got. And he picks up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, actually a few chapters after from where we're at. Um, chapter 61, you can just turn to there if you want to. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know what? When Jesus came in his first public statement, this is what my ministry is all about. He says, my ministry is to bring freedom. And you're looking at me saying, what, what has Nicholas gone there for? I'm talking about fasting this morning. It strikes me that that bit in Isaiah 61, which Jesus quotes in Luke chapter 4 at his sermon, doesn't it just match up so well with what, Jesus, with what God through Isaiah says in Isaiah 58? That true fasting is freedom giving, freedom making. But what is true fasting? Well, it involves loosening the bonds of wickedness. True fasting, says God, means setting people free from the things which enslave them. True fasting. He's undoing the cords of the yoke, or another translation, um, undoing the heavy burdens that are holding people down, that, that they can't cope. True fasting is saying, I will lift that burden off you. True fasting is saying, you know what, you are oppressed. 
And I will not stand by and watch that. I will act. True fasting is looking at someone and saying, your yoke is so heavy. Let me tell you about the one whose yoke is light. Let me set you free from that heaviness. True fasting is not going hungry ourselves. True fasting is seeing somebody else go hungry and say, here, have food. I will have without so that you may eat. I think God's impressed when we say, I'm not going to eat this morning. And we save all that money that we would have spent on food and we have a nice big meal the next day. Home, homes to the homeless. Of course, we can't provide a home to every single homeless person. Even Jesus didn't heal every single person that he encountered along the way. But, but what is our attitude as we walk through the CBD, for example, and see somebody there who is obviously living on the streets? Don't give them any money. They're just going to waste it on booze or drugs. And buy a lot of drugs for 50 cents. Don't give them 50 cents. clothing the naked. We don't see many actually naked people, but what about in winter? You know, I was in Sydney uh, during winter this year, and, and I was so impressed because if you go through the parks in the CBD, every evening they put a sleeping bag out on the park benches on those cold Sydney nights for the homeless people to have some warmth. That's clothing the naked. And realizing, not looking past our own flesh and blood. Um, the actual Hebrew text there is just not looking past our own flesh, our own humanity. Being sympathetic to them. You know, realizing that what, what I feel when I fast and I get hungry, that's what the people are feeling in Africa right now. That's what they're feeling in Bangladesh as it floods. What am I going to do about it? Think of something else and maybe it will go out of my head. Yeah, that's not fasting, Cisco. This sounds so tough, doesn't it? What have you got to do this week? You've got to clothe the naked. You've got to give homes to the homeless. You've got to look after everybody who's in need. You find somebody who's hungry, you've got to give them the, mouth, the, the food out of your own mouth. Are you going to do this? It sounds hard. It sounds costly. You know, if we try and do this as a duty, we come right back to Isaiah 58, verse 1. True fasting is not duty. You know, if there's a word which, which I think sums up all of, what, all of these characteristics of true fasting, that word is love. True fasting is loving people was the kind of love that Jesus had. Why do you do it? Not because I have to do it, but because I can't bear not to. 
I can't bear to see those images on the TV of someone starving or malnourished up in the north of our state. I can't bear to hear that there are single parents without any food in the house in our own suburb and there are plenty of them. Now, isn't that, doesn't that come back to our, our, our gospel of Jesus saying, I can't bear to see my creation suffering and dying and so I will come and give myself, all of myself for them. Have you ever thought that Jesus fasted from the presence of the Father when he descended into the grave? And we think hunger is bad. Not a duty, it's an outpouring of love. And it's my prayer that this becomes a defining characteristic of who we are as Christians. Like Jesus, people who just can't bear to see the world suffering. Who, like Jesus, weep over the world. You know, he stood over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long have I longed to gather you under my wings as a mother hen does? That is true fasting. It flows out of who we, who we are, who we become in Christ. And yes, we all fail, but Matthew chapter 24, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus comes, God comes and, and divides the people into sheep and goats. That's done. Saved, not saved. He turns to the people who are saved and he says this. They're on his right. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger you invited me in. I needed clothes and you, you clothed me. I, I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And, and the people turn to Jesus and they say, Lord, when did we do this? When did we give you something to eat? When did we give you something to drink? I don't remember giving you a coat at all. When did all this happen? And Jesus looked at them and said, you know what, if you did this to the least of the one of these, you did it to me. Why would they have done it? They, they didn't even realize they were doing it. It just happened because it was who they were becoming in Christ. True fasting is growing in Christ-likeness. And the reward is something that, that oh, you just cannot imagine. Spend some time just reflecting on verses... 8, 9, 10, 11. Your salvation will come quickly as the, 
morning sun. The light will rise. The, the, the light will come upon you quickly. There will be healing for your wounds. God doesn't heal all of us, but, but he says, you know what, if you, if you seek after me, you will find me. You will call for me, and I will answer. Beginning of the chapter, why haven't you answered us, God? If you truly fast, I will. And just one last thing to highlight is just for me the most fantastic verse in this whole chapter. Chapter 11, the Lord will guide you, uh, verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden. You yourself will have all the refreshment you need. It, It sounds weird. Give up all you have to serve others like Christ did. You're going to be worse off, aren't you? No. You'll be like a well-watered garden. The second verse, the second half of that, that same. You'll be like a well-watered garden, and from within you, springs of water will flow without end. You will be refreshed, and you will be used by God to fresh others. It does remind me of what Jesus said, um, John 4, those who drink the water I give them will never thirst, indeed the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A little bit later in John 7, 38, he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow living water. My brothers and sisters, over the last week we have fasted and sought God. We have come to him and said, Lord, we want your guidance. We want you to use us as a church. Will you recommit this morning, just in your own heart, in your own thinking, to seek to fast in truth? Don't give up on normal fasting. It's a good thing to do, but if it doesn't match what God is doing in your heart, you're wasting your time. Oh, Lord. Oh, the great high God, whose name is above all other names, who is majestic and awesome. Lord Jesus, who humbled yourself, poured out your blood, gave all you had for love. Lord, we would be as you. Lord, we would have hearts as you have a a heart. Lord, we would be softened so that our instinct is to give and to show love to others. You have loved us, Lord Jesus. Help us to love the world. That you might be glorified. And that they might be saved.
be with us this week, we pray. Amen. Why are we going to do this? We're going to do this because our God is great. How great is our God? Let's, let's sing how great is our God and all...